from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello, and welcome back to The Hit Show. Today is July 31st. It is the trade deadline. That was at 4 o'clock Eastern time, so we are well past it. We know all the things that happened leading up to the trade deadline, so we have a ton to talk about. Today, I am joined by my usual suspect, Darby Robinson. Hello, Darby. Hello. Dibs on um, uh, Gabriel Byrne. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm, we don't have the time to go down that rabbit hole. The Rays are currently uh, 54 and 52, so still above 500. They kind of went through a losing streak, which was kind of happening in the last podcast. Uh, and not, uh, not the most fun series against Texas. Uh, they took none of those games. Uh, but then they took two of three from Baltimore and then lost three of four to the Yankees. And uh, at least two of those were very winnable games other than the Tanaka shut, uh, shut down. So that's unfortunate. Uh, the race salvaged on Sunday. And now Alex Cobb is uh, uh, not having the best of nights in Houston, but the Rays are really in the thick of it. Uh, coming off of Baltimore, it's four games at New York, four games at Houston. The Rays go home for Milwaukee, Boston, and then four games against Cleveland. So this is the dog days of summer. Uh, the Rays will know exactly who they are at the end of this. And we're not going to dwell on that right now because we have a ton to get through. Uh Darby, it was the trade deadline. It was the trade deadline, and it was uh, it was an interesting one. It was like most trade deadlines; it was kind of quiet for a while, and then right by the de- you know right at the time, things started happening fast and furious. Um, and there was a couple surprises right at the very end. One a big national surprise, and then one a uh, a surprise just to the folks here in in the Tampa Bay area. So um, let's start with Tim Beckham. Yes. Yeah. The guy that we did not expect to be talking about today, uh, a move that I don't think anybody saw coming, really. Um, I guess, though, I, I don't want to give Mark Tompkin credit for this, but he did sort of say, like, it was not really, a, I think, it was more of like a guess that, like, you know, hey, now that we the Rays have Lucas Duda and we'll talk about Duda and all that, you know, Maybe they'll look to trade Brad Miller or um, uh, Tim Beckham. But I think most people thought, like, you know what's better than trading one of those guys? Because they might have to go to the bench. Having them on the bench. Uh, but the Rays thought differently. So so Tim Beckham uh, was traded today right at the deadline uh, to the Baltimore Orioles for a low-A pitching prospect, Tobias Myers. So Tobias Myers is interesting. He, he was, very much uh, should we should we get that out of the way? Because I, it, he was not a top thirty prospect, but you don't expect him to be at this point. He was drafted in the sixth round, out of Winter Haven High School. Uh, he has pedigree for being in those first ten rounds. He is an eighteen year old kid pitching an A ball, so he's not a top thirty prospect yet. Because the only guys who are top thirty prospects are drafted in the first round, maybe the second round. Occasionally, you get a third round draft pick. Uh, sneaking into a top 30. But he's a six-round draft pick. That's that's off the radar. But he's still so young, it really seems like the Rays went and got a guy early, trying to getting ahead of the curve of any kind of hype. So he, I think it's interesting. It's So, yeah, in, in let's, uh, you know, talking about the player we got in, like, kind of a vacuum, right? Like, take the context out of the whole situation. He is a very interesting pick. Um, he's not in the top 30. I know a lot of people are like really upset about that kind of um, return for, for a, a, you know, a, a, a kind of a breakout utility, you know, middle infielder for Beckham. Um, but again, like you said, the scouts can't scout every single 18 year old out there. And so there's a good chance that, you know, a lot of the ranking sites probably have never even seen him. Not even once. Like maybe they've seen a clip on YouTube and that's about it. So, you know, give him time. The Rays, though, when it comes to these type of players, I always want to caution myself because it's very easy to go like, who? I've never heard of him. I hate it, uh, which is kind of a human nature like reaction, you know, bewilderment and then into immediate anger. But the Rays are really good at this type of acquisition. So in a vacuum, the 
guy that's not on the radar, that's really young, but who is performing well above his age and his level, that's that's a that's like kind of the Rays special. That's exactly what they did with Willie Adamas that they identified and they went out and got Jake him. Bowers. Jake Bowers is the same exact way. Those are those were two Kevin so Jake Padlo, Bowers, yeah. Padlo and Adamas, just to name a few, because there's actually quite a few others, and that's what they've also been doing really well with the international market too. Getting guys that are, you know, you're talking about 16-year-olds who are just performing a little bit better than the other 16-year-olds. Um, Sanchez, Franco, Carlos exa- Vargas. Exactly. So they, they have a type, um, which isn't, I guess, a, like a shock. Like, you know, everybody's looking for guys that are better than their age. But those, but those particular guys that aren't quite on the prospect radar yet, like Jake Bowers before coming to Tampa was kind of on the radar, but he was clearly a, a key piece. So we, so we have trade. faith in the team's ability to identify these kids before the hype. Yeah. So I think I give them a little bit of slack with this. I don't know him, but I would trust that the front office isn't throwing a dart here. They they probably yeah. identify well, him. Well, he was He's from also the backyard. From yeah. yeah. And he was committed to USF before he got drafted. And he got drafted high enough that he took the money and ran. And good for him. But now he's... In the race system, uh, he's fastball changeup, which is exciting. Uh, he was, you know, one of those Beth athletes on the team, two-way player kind of prospects that we've been enjoying talking about this season. So feel good about this kid named Myers, <laughs> for once. Uh, <laughs> let's let's dial back into Tim Beckham because mm-hmm. talking about kids who were drafted young and putting hopes and dreams into those kinds of prospects. Uh, uh, we each wrote an article today about Tim Beckham. If you're listening, I welcome y'all to to do that homework and go check it out because I think it's really fun uh, that we we provided varying opinions. But in mine, I led off with the statement that Tim Beckham is a sunk cost. And you also talked at, at length about the draft history. Uh, Tim Beckham was never going to live up to the hype. No. And we mentioned it on the podcast basically saying that he's not Buster Posey is always going to like carry with him as long as he was here in Tampa. But that's a a foolish way to like kind of look at a player because he also wasn't, you know, um, many of the other players, you know, you can't like look at only the one player that like he could have been and the guy that he should have been and always compare him to that because he's a different player. Um, But yeah, so he was the first overall pick at this point. That really doesn't mean anything. Nothing at all. Yeah, it's he's just and, another kid like right now. Would you so like Tim Beckham doesn't have more trade value than right now than like someone like Jake, Jacob Faria, who was drafted well lower, way lower um, mm-hmm. or someone like Alex Cobb right now. Uh, the, like those guys, you know, players come from all over. You can be a top overall guy or you could be kind of an afterthought. Eventually, though, that prospect status, uh, you know, certain guys do shake out. And so with Tim Beckham. Yeah, he he had this pedigree, but at this point, that didn't factor into who he, to Tim Beckham is as a player. So let's However, talk about who yeah. Tim Beckham is then. So I think he's a bench player. I don't I, think there's a world <laughs> in which he is purposefully a starting player for the Tampa Bay Rays. And and I actually don't disagree, but I think the the when you say he's a bench player. I feel like there's like a like so what element to that and he's a bench player as in we you know who's also a bench player right now uh are guys like Malik Smith um or Brad Miller or you know like I I think bench players right now we're getting to the point where there's four guys on the bench they're playing games Tim Beckham's I think a a guy that could be a key contributor to a winning ball club and I'll, I'll definitely concede. He's not a starter, I, I think, um, long-term. I think he did very admirably well as a starter for the Rays. But I, I think well, not, that's... not well enough that the Rays didn't go and get someone else to replace him. And not well enough that I would say that that's a bad move either. I, I think, you know, Hechevarria has been a, a smart acquisition. Um, I think Brad Miller in the long run is the better option at second base. Uh because of the fact that you can't DH him, I think Tim Beckham's the, obviously the better defender, but I don't think it's as big of a difference as one might appear. Um, 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 
that's the thing is that as a bench player, I feel so much more comfortable with this team with Tim Beckham on the bench uh, for a playoff push for the next two months, because I do trust him to at least do spot starts and think, hey, we, we survived with him as a starter. He could be a starter. He can play above average defense at shortstop, which we've talked about this and I've talked about this a lot. That's not nothing. Uh, there's a lot of players in this league that can't play above average shortstop defense. And Brad Miller is one of them. But on the flip side, because he has that ability, I don't think Tim Beckham was willing to sit on the bench. And I'm not trying to follow uh, a media narrative or make something up. I truly believe that he considered himself a starter. He did not take uh, the transition to second base very well, uh, at least in the in the messages he was conveying in the clubhouse, on the field, to the reporters, to the cameras. Uh, Tim Beckham did not look pleased to not be playing shortstop. And then you're asking him to play a part-time role on top of that? I mean, the, the dream role for Tim Beckham and the Tampa Bay Rays, if they had their way, would be to use Tim Beckham only against left-handed pitching, because that's where he excelled, and only on the road. So <laughs> that's a very <laughs> small number of things. And you can get into the splits, but Tim Beckham was horrible at home at Tropicana Field. His bat profile just did not play under the dome. And that's not a knock on him. Just different players are built in different ways. There's a reason why the Rays are rolling with James Loney purposefully. You have to take a certain type of player. Casey Kochman before him. Logan Morrison's doing well. But uh, I don't know why I'm running through all the first basemen. Tim Beckham's got a first baseman. <laughs> but my point is there are types. There are types of players that the Rays have to roll with. And Beckham, it, this trade is best for Tim Beckham because he goes to a new place where he doesn't have the 2008 baggage following him. He goes to a new place where he's given a starting opportunity. I mean, is it a division rival? Yes, it's Baltimore, but Baltimore is not competing right now. They just went and traded for Jeremy Hellickson because they literally have no one to start. <laughs> they literally yeah, just said, God, yeah. please help us anyone. And they picked up Jeremy Hellickson, which <laughs> we've been down that road. And now Jeremy Hellickson is presumably slightly worse version of himself uh, if, when he returns to the AL East. Let's talk about Tim Beckham. Tim Beckham needed a change of scenery. Tim Beckham needed an opportunity to prove himself. And Tim Beckham needed to not be in Tropicana Field on a regular basis. So now he's going to get that. And he didn't want to be a utility player. He didn't want to be a bench player. He didn't want to be removed from shortstop and play second base, let alone be benched at all. So send him out the door. Now, it, it genuinely seems like the other players loved having him there, which I don't know if I expected those kinds of comments when he left, but Chris Archer, Evan Longoria, team leaders were upset by this trade. I think that's one of the, the factors to this. I know we've heard the media narrative a lot that, you know, he's a, um, a potentially bad clubhouse guy or a doesn't hustle and people are upset with his attitude, that type of thing. And yeah, maybe he doesn't want to... Uh, he considers himself a starter. I think depending there, upon there were, how let, that let's, attitude, let's, let's touch that real quick. Yes. Uh, there were some hustle problems in the Yankees series. Precipitating there, this trip. <laughs> there were, but both of the situations, I put the blame almost entirely on the other player. So um, the Rays lost the game against the Yankees in which a ground ball by Gary Sanchez went weakly in between the shortstop and the second baseman. Uh, Eddie Hitcheria and Tim Beckham. It just rolled by. They just saw it. They looked at it. They looked at each other, and then just no one got it. it. Roll continuing into the outfield for the worst game-winning hit. Uh, it, it tied the game, but it ended the game. Let's be honest. You can't come back from that. You can't come back from a two-out just dribbler. And that was a ball that I would say Eddie Hitcheria makes in his sleep. He, sure. he literally could be asleep, and he makes that. Then you had a play where Tim Beckham's at third base, which is a position he doesn't really play, but he's still nope. filling in there. And a bunt is going right to a hard bunt, and that's a ball that Brad Boxberger has to be able to field. He has to field his position. Tim Beckham has to go back to third on that, and he has to get the lead runner there and just survive a little bit more because Boxberger needs all the help he can get on the mound. That's a whole other story. But, oh, my God, stop using Brad Boxberg and Sergio Romo in high-leverage situations if you can avoid it. Tim Beckham uh, was involved with those two plays, and he's the guy that you the camera lingers on. He's a very emotional guy. The camera lingered on him, and the game 
ended basically on plays that he was standing right next to the ball. Yeah, that's not a good look. Good. That's not a good look. However, I don't care about looks. We're not trying to sell jeans out there, and we're not trying to to win a perception contest with the media. I think the thing is, we don't know what's going on in the clubhouse. I don't know what's going on in the clubhouse. I don't buy these the these stories so much, and I think those are types of situations where okay, Tim Beckham shouldn't want to be on the bench. Any professional athlete shouldn't be happy with hey, you're not good at your you're not as good at your job as this guy, so we're going to demote you. I don't yeah. want a player to be like. Okay, cool, whatever. I'm just enjoy playing baseball. That's a that's not a great attitude to have. I want him to. I want. I liked when Brad Miller was upset last year when he was like, "I'm a shortstop. I don't want to play first, but still, I'm going to play first and crush it." Tim Beckham, he should want to be a shortstop. Then he's a second baseman. He's going to try to do the best at second base, but prove the team wrong. And then if he yeah, goes but to there's the bench, a, there's a little bit of that mentality problem. And I know that you and I are not staying in the clubhouse. And I know that we're only working off of reports on the radio and in the newspaper. But that missing element, that difference between Beckham and Brad Miller does seem to be that, yes, but I will stay here and I'll crush it. And that's possible. But I I think you just mentioned there, it's the difference between that's the media narrative from the radio and the newspaper. And I don't trust the local news and those media to report fairly on guys like Tim Beckham, who they have hounded for years. And that's where I it comes to a situation to me is that I don't trust him. I just mm-hmm. don't trust that source because I've seen the same thing with Desmond Jennings, who was a three-win player for three years, but he was reviled by some of the local media because he wasn't Carl Crawford. And I saw guy, a guy like Tim Beckham reviled because he wasn't Buster Posey. Why wasn't he this guy that was the better player? And I see that and I just I can't help but think that these situations are skewing people. Everybody's got bias. So if you were already saying like, man, Tim Beckham is such a bust. And then you look at a situation where he's like, you know, he misses a play or he's involved where Hetcheveria should make the play. But Hetcheveria is the uh, gold glove caliber shortstop. And Tim Beckham's the guy that wasn't Buster Posey. So who am I going to blame? Not Buster Posey over there at second base. I mean, that's true. But I don't want to poo-poo too much of Beckham's defense because that is, if we're comparing Brad Miller, the guy the Rays are rolling with at second base, instead to Tim Beckham, Tim Beckham's defense is miles beyond. I do just want to be clear that it it is not a close contest. It is is not. It is not. Maybe that's why Beckham was the guy traded and not Brad Miller. I, I will say this, though, with about Brad Miller, and, I, and he does deserve quite a bit of his um, scorn for defense, his his defense, especially at shortstop uh, and and kind of all over the place is, is sort of a mess uh, already on the season in just 416 innings. He's been worth a negative seven defensive run saved at second base last year at shortstop. He was negative 14. He is just he's a butcher. He is a pitcher in the field, but he's very, he does get to balls. He's very like what's wild is Brad Miller's athletic and he does have good range, but he does have, he makes some really bad plays and he does some things that aren't really great. Tim Beckham makes some really flashy errors uh, where everybody like, Oh my God, look at this play. But he does a lot of good stuff. I think the biggest difference here is not so much the defense. I think the Rays can live with the, the, the down shift in defense there I think the biggest key, I guess, if they had to move somebody, is the fact that Tim Beckham's offense, like you sort of said, it's not it's not quite a kind of hitting enough. Right. Since since the middle of June uh, to now, he his offense has really hit the skids. Uh, it's been about just a yeah, six Beck, seven Beckham's WRC been a plus. little bit of a tailspin. He's got just two homers. Uh, his on-base percentage is under 300. His slugging percentage is right at 300. It, it's not been great. And the thing is, against lefties on the season, he's hitting just 97 WRC+. plus. So a little below well, average. That's where, that's where I get to that road split, because it's, yeah. the, it's the home section of that that really drives it down. He's 140-plus. They're, they're higher than 140 on the road against left-handed pitching. Now, when you start splitting 
the splits, <laughs> that's when you get into really small sample sizes. But for his career, <laughs> yeah. he's also in that range as well. He's consistently great short side of the platoon. And man, him and Brad Miller could have been such a great platoon. But I think it comes back to, because Brad Miller, left-handed hitter, he can hit the right-handed pitching. And then mm -hmm. Tim Beckham, perfect complement on the other side at the plate. Uh, I mean, because on the whole, Miller is twice the if if Miller is twice the the hitter that Beckham is as a full package. Beckham is probably like four times the defender. We we are considering Beckham the better overall middle infielder. But I think that's I, why he got traded because between you compare Brad Miller and Tim Beckham, if you can only keep one. If you can only keep one, I think all the yeah. signs point to Beckham being the one to go. A, because he has a better trade value. B, because he's a super two about to go through arbitration. And three, I forget if I was using letters or numbers there. I think I was using <laughs> letters and I screwed it up. No, I think it was there, numbers. numbers. There's, a, there's a long list of right-handed hitting shortstops. We've got Adani Echeverria, Daniel Robertson, Taylor Featherston, Willie Adamas, and Tim Beckham. And you're telling me we're going to keep Tim Beckham. I think you hold on to Brad Miller, bring those guys into the platoon role that you wish that Beckham could have been able to fulfill, and switch Beckham out for value. And not just the value of not having to pay his salary anymore, and not just the value of being able to trade him while he's hot, uh, in terms of a prospect commodity, a future commodity, not in terms of how he was hitting in June, but also because you've now opened up a 40-man roster space, uh, we've got guys coming off the 60-day disabled list, where so that's going to be important. Kevin Kiermaier, Matt Andreese. Uh If you want to add Willie Adamas ahead of time, I guess you could. Uh, right now, Taylor Featherston is back. Instead, Daniel Robertson is going through his rehab process. Um, and he'll he's be hit on the hand, but uh, that was two days ago when he hit a home run today in Port Charlotte. So he, he's on his way. There are enough similar players to what Tim Beckham offers in a short side of the platoon role. I don't disagree. And I don't disagree with any of that. In fact, I, I would not have been surprised or really that upset for Tim Beckham and Brad Miller to go in the off season. In fact, I, I'm, I would be shocked if Brad Miller isn't moved in the off season. If um, they can't move the, him, I think they cut him. I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're paying him next year, especially because you have Daniel Robertson who, I think that's the big key, is that Daniel Robertson can do a lot of the things that Tim Beckham can do. Oh, and uh, Matt Duffy. Very well. Yeah, I if he actually is still among the living, uh, which until I actually see it, until I see him in a uniform somewhere, we will have I a won't White believe it for sure. Base, yeah. He is. He might be. Uh, yeah. Um, no, so I, I, it's not so much, I feel like this trade isn't so much the player. It's not so much that I'm, I think the Rays can't replace Tim Beckham's value. In the aggregate, in the numbers, I don't think he is so valuable to the team that we can't replace him. I think Daniel Robertson could do something very similar to him. Um, he'll be better long-term, I think. Tim Beckham right now, I think, is a little bit better right now. There are moves to be made. The 40-man spot is a kind of a big part of that, I think, and that's maybe a big reason why they moved him now. I just don't understand. I, I think the big key that you mentioned there was if you had to choose one, I don't see why we had to choose one. Two is better than that. If you have Tim Beckham on the bench and Kevin Kiermaier comes back and you have maybe Matt Duffy comes back, suddenly you do have a bench of guys that aren't Trevor Plouffe. Instead, you replace a Peter Borges with a Malik Smith. You replace a Trevor Plouffe. Um, though Peter Borges is doing pretty awesome, but... You know, you can replace that bench bigger. Again, I think the biggest key here that I'm not, I'm kind of upset with is I don't see this move as a need. And when you are a buying club, and we're going to transition to that next, you don't sell guys that are above one win. You don't sell guys that are yeah. contributing. Um, however, the big thing I will concede is I really don't know behind the scenes um, that whole story. So... I I don't know if I want to I don't know if I can fully get there right now about the whole reasons for needing to make this move right now but there are some interesting things that can be done with that 40 man spot and I hope they do I hope it's not to ensure that we keep Ryan Garten around for another month or two 
because I think that would be a waste if you oh, trade Lord have mercy. just to keep Ryan Garten on the 40-man and not DFA him or DFA a guy like Taylor Featherson. But if you do now have that 40-man spot and you can still – we're going to add you know, uh, quite a few people – you now have an extra spot to potentially. You have William Thomas already on the forty man. Brent Honeywell is not on the forty man. You could add him soon if you yeah, want. Yeah, you could you could add him early if you really wanted to. If that is the if the if the goal is it's Tim Beckham for you know Kevin Kiermeyer, Matt Andrees, Xavier Cedeno, and Brent Honeywell type of thing, like getting these guys all onto the thing. The forty man is really really crowded, even with a lot of people that you can drop. There's a lot of people coming back soon. I would I would accept it. I would get it and I would maybe not still love it, but I would understand the plan. Right now though, I feel like we lost something and we we lost something for this year and we have been trying to add stuff for this year. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know how valuable, you know, some of those relief slots would be if we really were promoting a Brent Honeywell, a Ryan Yarbrough, a Yanni Chirino. It's just like a pitcher doing well in AAA. I don't know. I mean, Chaz Rowe is coming eventually. Uh, <laughs> speaking of deadline moves, but um, Adam <laughs> Kalerik, Andrew Kittredge, you know, yeah, there's, there's a Ryan lot of, there's, there's there's a lot lot of riffraff in, can, the, in can, the Durham shuttle. Exactly. Uh, Chaz Rowe is the big deal of the trade deadline. <laughs> uh, it, it's the move a, that we all were hoping for, and we yes. were waiting. We were just waiting by the phones, and we just want that, that blow-up you know, alert, and whew, I think okay. I'll always know where I was when I got that alert. When the Chazro trade happens. <laughs> when the Chazro trade happens. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be so telling for context, about this one. For context, Chazro <laughs> is a Braves reliever uh, in AAA that the Rays picked up. Uh, they are or purchased from, from the Braves. I think he's a statistical darling. I bet uh, the front office saw an opportunity, and there's probably something to like about his profile, and he's fringy, he's and maybe lighter. he's a real contributor next year. He, there is a great article by Jeff Sullivan on Fangraphs about Chaz Rowe and his slider and how fantastic his slider is. All the rest of his yeah. pitches are incredibly pedestrian, but... He has a really, really cool slider. It's super bendy. It's got a lot of movement and spin, and it's super fun. Um, yeah, who knows what he's going to be. But I think I've had an, cool, so enough relievers that the front office just really believes in their spin rate and keep on rolling out there, <laughs> trying over and over again. Can you think of a couple? Just I one more time with Danny Evelyn. This is going to be I, Danny, Just bring just the Danny on. Evelyn all right, experience back. Okay, skipping forward. Okay. Skipping forward. So, so the trade deadline for the Rays, this is – Okay, so the Tim Beckham thing aside, which which kind of took us by a shock, and I think well, once we'll settle down, it really is kind of a, a smaller move in the big thing scheme of things because right. the Rays right. were incredibly active. The Rays were buyers. That right. This was. Not, I mean, Tobias acquisition aside, this was not a fire sale. This the, was. Uh, this was an acquiring. All right, sorry. That, if that only tra- we could have traded. That, if we could maybe swing a Tobias Myers trade for Brock Holt. I know. I I, I blew that joke. I. Oh, uh, there we go. Uh, yeah. So this, this it, it was, was not a day. A it was not a day for the race. It was not. This a was week a week for the race. Well, it yeah. was sort of a week, but it really goes before that. The Rays made several trades that, uh, under normal circumstances, and by normal circumstances, I mean any other season. I mean, mm-hmm. under the Stu Sternberg era, what were the big acquisitions? We had Chad Qualls, mm-hmm. and we had Jesse Crane, Jesse uh, Crane in 2013, who never, who never, never threw a pitch. Yeah, he His shoulder was blown out, and uh, mm-hmm. he wasn't able to help. And, uh, and there... David, uh, well, there was a, a Ryan Roberts. Yeah, what about Ryan Roberts, the tap man? Right, so Ryan Roberts, <laughs> I'm going to put him in the uh, Trevor Plouffe category, mm. right? That's, the, a, like, that's a corner a shot, infielder. Yeah. yeah, let's see if there's actually something there. A uh, bench player type of, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Trevor Plouffe uh, does not stick around after all this 60-day uh, deal guys come off. Uh, when If Matt Duffy comes back and Trevor Plouffe is still here, oh, I'll eat yeah. my hat. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so Trevor Plouffe, that was an acquisition. That was something. Peter Borges. Early Echeveria on was, was huge. Yeah. Peter Borges is a good one. 
Um, I I thought we were going to be living the Will Rhymes era again, but he's really turned out to be uh, particularly explosive in the second half here. He's done a lot of work. Yeah. He he's not he's a he's a piece that I could see sticking around even when Kevin Kiermaier comes back. I could see uh, Malik Smith going back down to Durham even and keeping sure. um, Peter Borges, and I would not be opposed to that. Uh, yeah, we talked presence. about Denny Hechevarria. Um, that was that was the sign I think that the Rays. We mentioned it. The Rays were looking at this year as a playoff year. Yes. So they were. Are you okay? Are Are you I, okay? <laughs> I am okay. It's, there is a small, small um, a disaster with a cat uh, attacking, but <laughs> I'm okay. Um, so Echeverria, his cat-like reflexes improved the team. That's the point. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. Good segue. Best in the business. Uh, yeah, so the, the Rays go out and buy, basically, Denny Echeverria. They take on salary. Interesting. Yes. Well, a Interesting. lot of salary. Yeah. Because if he stays not, next not year, this is, you know, in total, they're probably paying him something like $8 million. Potentially. For a year and a half of work. I, I, yeah. So that was an interesting move. And then, so now going into the kind of, the Rays have made some moves, and you could almost expect maybe they set, set Pat, you know, Hechevarria, Borges is a solid vet. And then, you know, you get your young guys coming up. That, that'd be solid, right? Not for the Rays. The Rays are really pushing some chips. They, it starts off with uh, Sergio Romo, which we talked about the, uh, last week. So we kind of mm-hmm. moved past him because he's been not great, but, you know. Low, he he low did have one good be. contribution on Sunday. I think it was two outs, like a strikeout uh, and a pop-out. He has an even bigger contribution to the team, and it's off the field. And we're going to talk about that um, with our third one because he was the last person acquired. And I'm just going to set the stage for that. Uh, but then the Rays went out and made a couple big moves for relievers. The Rays yeah, truly, had- truly big oh. moves. Yeah, let's, so uh, let's not undersell it. So let's let's talk start, starting with the lefty uh, Dan Jennings, who this is a yeah. move not just as a rental. This is a move for next year as well. No, yeah, he's under team control, and he actually cost uh, under normal circumstances would be a pretty penny. The Rays traded a first round draft pick. Casey Gillespie, younger brother of Connor Gillespie, used to play in Chicago, has since moved on. But uh, Casey, the hero of uh, the Giants last year. Yes, briefly. he was. Uh, Casey Gillespie uh, was a first-round draft pick. He was the best college hitter in his draft. And last year was the Rays minor league player of the year. He led the organization in home runs. There was a lot of hope pinned on Casey Gillespie being a first baseman of the future. Yeah, that and think, is uh, not going to happen now because now he's a Chicago happen. White Sox. Yeah, Gillespie had a real disappointing season this year. He's fallen back quite a bit in a lot of numbers, and I think the biggest problem for Gillespie is there just really wasn't um, there really wasn't a path to contribution on this team right now. You have Logan Morrison playing amazingly well this year. He wasn't going to beat him out. Then you have uh, already a Craig Bauer spot. That was there. And then you have Jake Bowers, who's already passed him by. And then we also drafted first-rounder Brendan McKay, who you could almost already put him above him. Uh, Potentially, if he he focuses on first base, he could be the Rays' starting first baseman in, like, three years, potentially. But if Joe McCarthy turns out as well, Joe McCarthy is blowing up double it. Casey Gillespie is one of those guys who, much like Richie Schaefer before him, you don't want to just get into a sunk cost situation where you're like, this is a first rounder. We're going to hold out. He had a good year. He had one good year. Let's, let's hold out for it. The Rays. And that's decided, why you know the Rays traded Tim Beckham. It, it's one of those things. The Rays aren't going to, the Rays are smart enough to know that you just don't stick with something just because you should stick with it. And just because yeah, you yeah. spend money in it. Casey Gillespie could be a really good uh, major league pro. He also could be like so many other guys, um, just an also also ran first baseman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to be really good at offense if you're going to be a first baseman or a DH. You have to be really, really good. And if Casey Gillespie is just pretty good, that's not really that valuable to the Rays. And that's why you move him for a guy like Dan Jennings, who he doesn't have just control for this year. So we'll have him for the half a year for the stretch run this year. 
He's arbitration eligible in 2018. So 2018 and 2019 right, could both be Dan Jennings. He's already starting at a nice low level. He's not a closer, so he doesn't have the saves to to jack it up. He could be a mainstay, high leverage arm from the left side, which the Rays really have not had since Xavier Cedeno. Uh, really just right. It's been a real area of need is having a good lefty. Yeah, all, all year, like last year, Xavier Cedeno was leaned upon. And this year he was bad slash injured slash just non-existent. So Dan Jennings feels a huge, huge need. Plus he can actually go multiple innings. He's done that in the last few years as well. Um, and well does- so that's the interesting thing about him. So I, I really think we should think of Dan Jennings as a left-handed Erasmo Ramirez, who we're going to talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. But Dan Jennings, by all accounts, is the kind of guy who can go out there and pitch every day of the week if you needed him to. If you need him to get one out, he'll go out there and he'll do it. If you need him to go out there and pitch three innings, he can do that too. It's not that he's a swing man ready to fill in for a starter. It's just he legitimately can go out there and pitch as much as you need him to. And by a lot of accounts, he's a great person. And uh, according to the eye test, he is left-handed, which is very necessary. <laughs> uh because we confirmed it before he to. came here. He, we made him write down his name like about 10 times. Yeah. And we confirmed it is left. He is left-handed. So that was good. <laughs> Proof we do actually watch these games. No. So the point <laughs> is he's a good acquisition. And he, acquiring him precipitated a second trade. It, it did. Um, so Dan Jennings now coming in can pitch kind of every game. Like you said, sounds a lot like Erasmo Ramirez. Also, great guy in the clubhouse. Sounds a lot like Erasmo Ramirez. So now that Dan Jennings is here to be smiley and happy and everybody loves him, we can then ship off Erasmo Ramirez as quickly as possible. So uh, Erasmo, we acquired him from the Mariners as a sort of starter. And he mm-hmm. came here, pitched great as a starter. Then we moved him to the pen. And you know what? He he took that job and he did well, well with it. And as well as you could be expected. But now he is going back to Seattle, getting a chance to start because Seattle, every starting pit, every person in the Seattle and Tacoma area who can throw a pitch has pitched at least one inning for the Mariners. That is a true fact. You can check it it's out true. on Baseball Reference. Every single one. Uh, I'm, I'm coming up. I'm actually going to be starting on Friday. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, I'm very, I'm very excited for that game. It's great. I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear a race cap anyway, though. It's gonna be real awkward, but I'm doing. Alex Cadre is gonna uh, interview your wife and talk about how uh, <laughs> she was making your jerseys in high school. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, so yeah, Erasmo Ramirez is gonna get a chance to start. So good for Erasmo. I'm gonna be really rooting for him. Uh, yeah, numbers wise, statistically, he was his best as a starter uh, in Tampa Bay in 2015. His numbers were not as great in the bullpen, but he filled such a necessary need, a functional role in losses, in you know poor situations, in high leverage situations sometimes. He was the guy called upon. Uh, the Rays are fortunate to now have that in Dan Jennings, a guy who's going to be more affordable, who throws from the left side. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I think Dan Jennings is a clear upgrade over Erasmo, writ large. I think it's a he, very logical deal. Absolutely. And, and, and it is a, what succeeded for him best is what I'm trying to it, say. He gets to exactly, go back to starting. Exactly. It's a good move for Erasmus. It's a good move for the Rays, not just for this year, for the stretch run, but for next year with an eye towards next year. Um, but he Erasmus was traded uh, for um, former Marlin, same as Dan Jennings, uh, Steve Ciszek, former closer, actually, of the Marlins and uh, very successful closer. closer. Mm hmm. Uh, he had he, he had a little bit of an offseason hip surgery, which is why he lost the Mariners' closing job. But mm-hmm. uh, the race that they've been monitoring all year, I actually wonder if his name came up in the offseason. And they were like, well, that is a good idea. And they just kind of waited. Uh, for the race, he's a high-leverage right-hander uh, who won't be closing, obviously, because uh, we are a ride-or-die on the Alex Colomay stallion. But uh, Steve Ciszek is not just a high-leverage person, person, but also a great person. I mean, honestly, that's another one where everyone just says, please take good care of him because he's just wonderful. Exactly. And, yeah, it's, it, it is that, interesting. That, that sounds a lot like the, the other guy acquired as well, who we'll get to in a second. I am yeah. constantly impressed. It's, not, it's, it's a little... It's jarring because everyone's been talking about it. 
because uh, you know every radio interview you know or just hearing talk and relay the message as well uh, or talking on slack uh our slack chat the slack app we use for communication at sb nation and talking to other uh sites we have that camaraderie talking to people from lookout landing them just saying oh gosh please take great care of steve ciszek the world does not deserve someone that nice you know that's like okay Wow. So I, I just heard that about Dan Jennings, you know. So I, the Rays maybe have a type here. Uh, they, they're trying to get good clubhouse presences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what they're trying to revitalize. I don't know if something's been uh, brewing or they're just, if you're going to acquire someone, you might as well acquire a good clubhouse presence. But Steve Stashek apparently is that as well. Well, it is interesting because Logan Morrison, we heard about that he was brought back in large part due to his veteran leadership and clubhouse presence. Well, I mean, uh, Evan Longoria supposedly personally requested that Logan yeah, Morrison come back. Yeah. So, so, and and when the face of the franchise requests it, as long as that player is somewhat decent, uh, he, he, I guess, he knows what he's talking about because Logan Morrison's been pretty pretty much our best hitter. Um, Should have been an all star. Corey Dickerson, Steven Souza, uh, they make some nice cases, but between them and Logan Morrison, that's been a dynamite pair. Um, Logan Morrison, Steve Ciszek, and Dan Jennings were actually all really good friends, apparently, in uh, Miami when they were there. So it's kind of nice to be yeah. these guys. Yeah, so they they all were very close, so it's nice to have them there. And, I'm, I, I, you know, there is that human element of the game that we talk about a lot, like where these, you know, Steve, Steve Ciszek has great, great breaking balls. He has great sliders, and this year he's getting ground ball ground balls up the wazoo. But the big key is when you're coming that to a new team, painful. you are – you are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll send the ground balls up there, Wazoos. That's the key. Um, all right. No, when right. you're moving your family across the country, uh, there is that element of human, you know, you're going to a new place. And it's kind of nice that C-Sheck and Jennings now have each other, as well as Logan Morrison, as friendly faces that you can mm-hmm. kind of immediately, you know, ingrain yourself with the team. And that's that's those kind of parts that maybe that is an, another element. You These guys are available at a good cost they are good relief pitchers high leverage guys especially against their um their their uh, common hand if c-sec is coming in against a righty that righty is in trouble if jennings is coming against the lefty that lefty is dead meat um but they can both pitch well against the offhand too especially with c-sec with his sliders and and breaking balls he can kind of keep them off balance a little bit but it's really, really nice to see like these guys being able to come into this team and hopefully hit the ground running because, you know, they've oh, warmed. I mean, Jennings shut down the Yankees there. on Sunday. I mean, it's the only game yeah. of the four that they won. But they, we won it on the strength of Ciszek. Three Ks uh, in his debut and then another really good performance. I mean, Ciszek has a lot. He has great stuff. He has a lot of great stuff. He used to be more of a strikeout guy. Now this year, less strikeouts, a little bit more ground balls. But mm-hmm. um Dan Jennings as well. Yeah, weak, weak contact. Like Dan Jennings is a weak contact machine. In fact, his first appearance with the Rays, he had he came in, he had faced two batters, got two weak, two really weak balls. They both happen to be hits, but whatever. That's you know, luck dragons and all that. But yeah, these these guys have come in. They're immediately two of our highest leverage guys to go along with Alex Colomay in the pen, and then hopefully we'll see guys like um, Chewy who. And Jamie Schultz soon enough to really add to that bullpen and give us a, a boost there. Um, but the Rays were not done. In fact, perhaps the biggest move, I'd say the biggest move, uh, and one that was really, really needed. The Rays offense, while a uh, real strength this year, they needed another bat. They lost uh, Colby Rasmus, um, who, who has stepped away from the game. And he was a huge acquisition in the offseason. They needed that lefty slugger. And he was doing amazing so far uh, in production with the Rays. But he's stepping away for you know personal reasons. The Rays have a hole. And they went out. And, and they, they got the dude. They so got the what, dude. what it was, what, uh, in terms of the situation, was Corey Dickerson, a capable left fielder, uh, by the Rays standards, a capable left fielder, uh, was the designated hitter, and Rasmus, the better defender, was in left field. The Rays, looking at the trade market and assessing what it was, said we are more comfortable moving Corey Dickerson over and acquiring a designated hitter because it's going to be cheaper. 
I, mm-hmm. not, not cheaper in a quality way, but honestly, I just think uh, as the bottom fell out on the, on the trade market, when J.D. Martinez did not end up at the Rays but got flipped for what felt like peanuts to the Diamondbacks compared to uh, previous expectations, um, and the Rays didn't go get that right-handed out, outfielder that you thought they might be pursuing, they said, hey, we liked what we had going with Rasmus and Dickerson. Now it's going to be Dickerson and Lucas Duda. Lucas Duda, a guy the Rays have looked, you know, has been sort of pining after for a while. Who's, uh, who's just an awesome player, and again, broken record, an awesome person, a uh, really, really awesome person. Um, I mentioned earlier Sergio Romo's real yep. contribution to the team, uh, and that is going to be helping to run the social media account. Follow Lucas Duda. <laughs> And he's already started, and he's got a great video there. Um, there is a bit of a banter. There's a uh, a whole, <laughs> I guess, I think Curtis Granderson started it. Um, yes. Where basically they follow and videotape Lucas Duda throughout the clubhouse, um, pestering him uh, and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, and so Curtis Granderson uh, helped work out a sub-trade of the, uh, the uh, privilege rights of the follow Lucas Duda account, Instagram account, and Twitter account over to the Rays. So it looks yeah, like Sergio hilarious. Romo is uh, is taking over that mantle. So if so nothing Sergio else, Romo apparently not going anywhere. He's just going to stick around in the Rays clubhouse. <laughs> if anything, to take videos of Lucas Duda. No, he so what, be, a, yeah. what an incredible <laughs> pickup. This is a oh, legitimately man. great acquisition. Uh, I mean, the cost was a what looks like a future reliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a kid with a 65-grade fastball, which is just bananas, yeah. but nothing else. Let's be honest. Uh, uh, Drew Smith had nothing else going on. But he was the prospect acquired uh, in the Mikey Matuk trade uh, when the Rays cleared that roster space out. So they got that kid. He was the number 30 prospect in the Rays system, and they flipped mm-hmm. it for uh, the Duda rental. Uh, Duda, I also want to throw out there a former teammate of Evan Longoria's back in, I think, a California uh, prep league or something like that. Uh, they were teammates at some point back in the day. They've, they've known each other a long time. Uh, it, it, I don't know how to process the Lucas Duda acquisition, if I'm being honest, because the Rays never, ever do this. No, and this was a great year. The, it was an absolute buyer's market, and this was the type of year that the Rays... Every move, and we're going to do like a nice little pushback in a second, but every move was, you know, they didn't give up nothing. You know, Drew Smith is a, a his live fastball. That's that's not nothing. You know, people don't throw that fast. Um, but he's also a, 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 you know, a top 30. He's the 30th ranked um, prospect in a really good farm. Who knows if he ever pitches in the major leagues? Lucas Duda is a tremendously talented player right now the rays can afford to spend some of that capital some of that ex uh you know excess prospect talent and get that immediate help and Mm -hmm. man oh man is lucas duda a huge pickup this guy you know even as a rental he is a massive massive potentially you know uh, a game-changing piece He's already come in and hit two towering shots he had a tying home run in his very first game with mm-hmm. the Rays, uh, he's he's a great great slugger. It, had Lucas Duda stayed healthy in his career, he would be, I think, considered much. You know, he he would be a much more well known, well talked about guy. As is, he's already put two three win seasons under his belt. He's already had thirty home runs one year, twenty seven the next. He's consistently well over two hundred ISO. He's a big. Big boy who walks a lot, who smashes a lot of home runs. And, I mean, so uh, walks a lot is an understatement. We're talking yeah, about thirteen and a half percent walk rate this year, and that's a and that's a, a down from like a couple other years. He's he's even gone better at, over his career. He's had a fourteen percent year. He's had a, a twelve and eleven percent years. This guy even, even on the on the whole though. Uh, we like to talk about uh, WRC plus weighted runs creation plus. It's mm-hmm. a metric that measures uh, percentage uh, above a hundred, a hundred being neutral, and then the points uh, above or below that are above or below average. So you date it back to uh, 
like 2013. 2013, he has a 120, so he's 20% above average. And then he goes up from there. And 2014, he's 135 is his weighted RC plus. Mm-hmm. 2015, 132. He had an injured year in 2016. He only appeared in 47 games, uh, less than 200 plate appearances. That's nothing. So throw that year away. He was 91, so he was below average, whatever. But, but then still 2017, almost, almost at, at average. In almost a, in average. A, like almost, yeah, super small sample size, but still a 91 like in, in his like, you know, down year. So, yeah. But comes back this year, final year, and 135 WRC+. plus. He is fully engaged. Uh, his next home run will be his 20th on the season. Uh, like you said, 13.5% walk rate. His strikeout rate is not egregious. It's below 25%. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. his ISO is above 300. It is bananas. What a designated hitter he might be able to be. Yeah, you now get a lineup where you have Lucas Duda, Logan Morrison, Corey Dickerson, all in there. All left-handed bats, all ready to tee off on any right-handed pitchers out there. This, That's this lineup, at least. Yeah, yeah. In this lineup, um, may be a, a team that still struggles, and we don't have that right-handed uh, hitter um, that we need off the bench. But man, oh man, the the large side of all pitchers, the right-handed right-handed pitchers, which is the majority of pitchers in the major leagues, have a real uh, murderer's row to have to go down of big-time power guys. This is true. But, I mean, so we've got Steven Souza in the starting lineup. We've got Wilson Ramos mm-hmm. is hopefully uh, who he needs to be, Evan Longoria. So there are some formidable right-handed hitters. If Matt Duffy can be who he's supposed to be, that'd be nice as well. Um, so it's not perfect, the right-handed side. You're talking about off the bench, you know, other than promoting Willie Adamas. Uh, I, I don't, just because he's on the 40-man, I don't really foresee another answer that's right-handed, but... Um, I'm not sure right-handed bench is the biggest area of need. I mean, we've been able to roll with Peter Borges, and that's actually kind of worked. <laughs> so, yeah, there there are ways the Rays can upgrade internally, but yeah, this is a this has been a really busy uh, deadline season <laughs> for trade season for the Rays, and they've yep. been as they've been more active this year than they've been in any uh, previous year in terms of acquiring talent. And uh, the Rays might not be done. I want to point that out. The Rays have needed, uh, they have been saying a right handed outfielder. They just need a right handed anybody that's more mm-hmm. formidable than Trevor Plouffe, more formidable than Taylor Featherston, but still has competent defense. The trade deadline was four o'clock today on the Eastern Seaboard. That does not mean the Rays are done. No, we have the waiver wire trade deadline, which is a. Uh, which is just confusing. It's a uh, it's it's a very confusing thing. But you see some big moves go down. Uh, I believe you know the Red Sox and Dodgers trade of Adrian Gonzalez. That was a waiver wire. One. That the Nick Punto trade. Uh, yeah. Yes. Exactly. With the key piece, Nick Punto. Um, yeah. No. No. That's a. There's some potential moves to be made. It's not over yet. But as the Rays stand right now, uh, they've definitely upgraded the team, and they are a better team now than they were uh, a week ago. Yeah, the waiver wires, when teams that fall out of contention start putting their players on the waiver wire, you you can only deal with the team that claimed them or you get to pull the player back off. Uh, so there is a little bit, bit of gamesmanship about, you know, if you think the Yankees are going to get a guy and you can claim him first and then a trade doesn't work out. There's a little bit of market disruption. That's why the trade deadline is preferred because it's a free market and you don't have to worry about Tim Beckham getting claimed by Toronto or something and just throwing off your plans for getting the prospect that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's still decent potential that the race could pick up another right-handed hitter to, you know, to circumvent relying on Trevor Plouffe. If, uh, if that's the guy you want to complain about. Uh, But like we said, Daniel Robertson's coming back. Hopefully he replaces Taylor Featherston. When Kevin Kiermaier comes back, uh, Peter Borges probably stays on the bench because he's right-handed. And then you have a bench of Sucre, Robertson, Borges, and then some other right-handed hitter. And hopefully that's a good one. Um, I think this Rays team starts feeling a little bit more comfortable than it was before. 
For sure. Now, uh, hopefully, that comfortability will lead to some wins. Uh, it is after the wild, you know, after this, we we do have a little bit of a shakeup, you know, in terms of we don't know what Baltimore is doing. They're buying, they're selling, they're who knows what they're doing. They're still they're sort just of in it. treading water. That's they're cool. they're kind of yeah, they're all over the place. Um, unless Tim Beckham becomes suddenly uh, <laughs> uh, a rod, circa you know mid nineties. Um, yeah, I we'll see if. Um, uh, Baltimore is probably just sort of treading water. Minnesota traded their closer um, to the Nationals, so they mm-hmm. are looking like maybe they're going. They're kind of selling. Angels uh, moved one of their better relievers, um, Hernandez, to the Diamondbacks. I want to say. Yep. Uh, so the Angels maybe they're looking at like that's a not that's really a that's there. a sneaky good pickup. I I kind of wish uh, the race could. Be yeah, I, was, I really wanted him too, but. You know, and, you know, Diamondbacks, man, they're just stealing JD Martinez, uh, and yeah, they're just stealing everybody. So, so you're looking at a lot of like the Rays are almost pretty securely where they're at. Seattle's the only other team that's sort of there, and oddly enough, Jerry Depoto, they must have locked him in a room because he didn't make at least 17 trades today, and that's kind of amazing. Uh, yeah, I don't know how he's going to fill his contract requirements, but that's okay. Maybe um, the waiver wire deadline will be all him. But so the, the Rays are looking like. Yeah, Blue Jays sellers as well. The big other one uh, that was kind of below the Rays. In terms of that, it looks like the Rays, pretty much everybody below them in the wild card, are kind of selling. So it really is sort of Kansas City, Tampa, Boston, New York, like all fighting it out for the wild card spots. And then one of New York, Boston, and Tampa with the division title. And Mm -hmm. one of the other teams in that wild card hunt who have lost a few games playing right now against Seattle, they also made a big trade. Uh, that signifies that they're big sellers, and that would be the Texas Rangers. Yo. You, Darvish. That was the other move. Tim Beckham was our big shocker at the, at the you know, at 401, basically, coming in. Mm-hmm. You, Darvish, was the real big shocker because it looked like the deadline had come and gone. You, Darvish, was still with Texas. He was even tweeting out that he was still with Texas about 10 minutes yeah. ago. And he is not with Texas anymore. You know, it he's was a going pretty, to the, he's going to Los Angeles, going to the Dodgers. We, we should we should touch base real quick. Um, we're going to be wrapping up this podcast shortly. I don't want to spend too long on it. Uh, the Red Sox and Yankees did make moves, and mm-hmm. uh, the big one for the Red Sox is they went and got the Mets closer Addison Reed, who was uh, somewhat connected to the Rays in in rumors, but it didn't work out. And then the Yankees, uh, they got. Jaime Garcia from the Twins, who we actually talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Twins turned into sellers, they sold him over to the Yankees. But then uh, the Yankees also acquired Sonny Gray from the Athletics. Yeah, the Athletics uh, um, ace starter. That that trade um, was shocking and completely disrupted the market, I think. Because uh, it was for three prospects named Justin Fowler, Jorge Mateo, and James Caprellian. Uh, that's not a uh, very important, but Justin Fowler is like the four. Jorge Mateo is a shortstop who was log jammed on their depth, uh, but he was the eighth, and then James Caprillion was the twelfth prospect. That's not a high price to pay for the Yankees, four, eight, and twelve. And Justin Fowler, that number four, he blown out his knee. James Caprillion already had Tommy John surgery this year. Mm-hmm. So Sonny Gray, years of Sonny Gray, who now the Rays are going to have to face. He immediately becomes the best pitcher on the Yankees. I think he's better than Masahiro Tanaka. He's the new ace, in my opinion. So Sonny Gray is going to be a problem for us. But he only cost a 4, 8, and a 12 at low value. The moment that trade went down, I put up on the site, we need to go get you, Darvish, now, if that's the cost. But I have to say, uh, there must have been some kind of bidding war because the Dodgers, I think, did end up paying much better value than what the Yankees gave up for Sonny Gray. Yeah, it's a, it was an interesting trade because immediately, it, it's one of these things though. When you look at prospect rankings, um, it is always hard to say like you know if you don't get a top three, then you know why are you trading your ace? Uh, Sonny Gray for that haul, it's really it's interesting. The immediate reactions over the internet were all over the place. Um, I think because of the fact that there's no sure thing in that package. You kind of want one guy that you can be like, well, this guy can be something. The mm-hmm. rest will hopefully they'll become that. But this guy is good. 
there isn't one in that. There's a lot of risk in this package for the A's. But it's mm-hmm. Billy Bean, and he makes some very bold moves. Uh, the Josh Donaldson trade has not really quite worked out the way they would have hoped. Um, hopefully this one will work out better for them, and hopefully these players are all tremendous and the Yankees got rid of them. Um, but it is interesting because you have Dustin Fowler, who very, very famously, I mean, unbelievably, tragically, uh, before his first plate appearance, kid tries to get a, uh, a foul ball and just runs full speed into the into the um into the kind mm-hmm. of the wall and it just ugly ugly yeah injury. if you didn't see the video don't watch it it's brutal it's absolutely brutal really heartbreaking stuff and who knows whether or not he comes back and what he you know he'll probably come back but like what kind of a player is he after that like that's a traumatic knee injury to an outfielder who knows what he is and then you also said with James Caprellian to already Tommy John surgery so it's a big, big risk for the A's and not a lot to give up for the Yankees because they were blocked. But that's also not really how the A's are looking at it. It doesn't matter if they're blocked by the Yankees. It's matters of they want the best players or the most best players they can get. I don't know. It, it does feel like a trade that maybe the A's were focused in on one or multiple of these guys and they were not talking with enough other teams because and that's, you know, their prerogative. Maybe they, maybe Dustin Fowler, they were like, this guy's going to be great and we can have him now uh, as part with, with other guys rather than just as a, uh, just as like a one piece. And then we can get also a Caprellian and we can get a Mateo with Fowler. And the only reason we can do that is because of their injuries. Right. It is completely possible that the A's just like these guys, but yeah. So you Darvish goes to the Dodgers and that's worth mentioning. Uh, he is out of the American League. He is no longer mm-hmm. uh, a, a huge risk, and he did not go to any of our rivals. So that's the great news. That's the good news, yeah. Uh, he cost Willie Calhoun, who uh, is on the top 100 prospect list. I think he was number 69. He is a kid who's just going to rake uh, for Texas. Honestly, uh, he seems like a kid who can hit and maybe doesn't have a great position. Maybe you don't know where he fits in. But uh, that and two other prospects, and the Dodgers went and got a couple of their relievers as well. But the point being is uh, Darvish did end up cost something of worth. If you're wondering what did Darvish cost uh, in, in Ray's terms, I would think a Jesus Sanchez uh, you mm-hmm. would have had to give up. Mm-hmm. Whereas and- uh, if you were trying to comp that Yankees trade, I think it's like a Jose de Leon, Adrian Rondon kind of style package, which are, which are big pieces for the Rays to give up in terms of their future. Uh, the Dodgers won. Uh, I think the Rays could have done that as well. But the Rays are in a different position. They can't just go out and buy pieces. And so because he did not go to division rival, I feel comfortable with the Rays skipping out on this whole you Darvish thing. I think that's I think that's absolutely with. And again, if I think the comp is accurate, I think it would be like a Jesus Sanchez. I think that's a very comparable guy. I think the key with that, though, is I I would really feel worse about this deadline if we made that move. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because as much as as much as you Darvish could really change the race fortune, I don't know if this this race team can afford to send a guy as good as Jesus Sanchez for one year of you Darvish or one two months of you Darvish. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the Rays are in the point to push the chips into the to the middle of the um, uh, kind of middle of the pot. I think the Rays were in a great position to buy, though, and I think that was the key. We want to we wanted the Rays to buy at the deadline, and they did that, but they did it in such a smart way. They made trades. Drew Smith is a is a lower level prospect that we got from Mikey Mata, who is kind of just dumped in the offseason. And now you have a, a great DH who's hit three home runs in his first four games. Exactly. You have, you have Lucas Duda, who's awesome, and maybe you can sell him on a one year deal to uh, boost his stock with the Rays next yeah, year come back. to replace Logan Morrison. Maybe uh, you you trade a, a kind of potentially like struggling and and maybe middling uh, former first round prospect in Casey Gillespie, and you get multiple years of a high leverage left handed reliever. You trade Erasmo Ramirez, who you're going to have to move because he is getting way too expensive. For a reliever true. next year, and you get a high leverage reliever for this year. Mm-hmm. The Rays went out and they added some salary 
They they spent some of their resources, but they didn't give up a single core piece. Nothing for the future. I we mentioned Tim Beckham, and at, while I'm bummed that Tim Beckham's gone, he wasn't a future key of this team. He was a nice role player, but he wasn't the future of the team. Right and now, he the didn't of the want team, to be a role player. I think that's the worst part. Eh, I, we'll disagree okay, with did that. Did I ask but, him myself? <laughs> I did not ask him myself. But that's yes. really the. That's a strong vibe. It but is that, strongly that could be implied. The, he he did not want to play alone. Ab, ab, so that could be the case. And again, I don't know. And maybe that's the case. But the Rays still have their core intact. And even a guy like Jesus Sanchez still there. And they still have mm-hmm. some big trade pieces for the offseason to kind of move some stuff around. But next year, the Rays are still going to have some really great veteran bats. Mm-hmm. The deadline this year not only freed up salary for next year, it allows the Rays to compete the rest of the way to play some exciting baseball this year, but also be perfectly set up for that window to start opening in 2018 uh, when you have Honeywell and Adamus and Bowers all up. This was an exciting deadline. It was wild, but uh, this is a a new era for the Rays, a new time. Rays is buyers. This is the new standard. Uh, I don't know if it's the new standard or not, but I'll definitely... (laughs) This is it forever. This is how it'll always be. All right, I'll... Uh, I guess I'll agree with that, too. Uh, <laughs> Jay Goodrizzi comes back from the disabled list soon. That's something to look forward to. Maybe we talk about that next week. Uh, and if the ways do something on the waiver wild. Wow. What, did I just go into a Carney accent? <laughs> Those were all W's where there should have been R's. <laughs> oh, buddy. I think it's time to take us home. I think so. Okay. Um, thank you guys for listening to us rant. Uh yeah, wild deadline. Check out, we have a lot of stuff. We have posted a ton of articles today on uh, dracebay.com, and we'll be posting a whole bunch in the next couple days, so definitely check that out. Come off, come come over and sound off on what deals the Rays did, what did you like, what did you not like, what did you think about the Tim Beckham deal? Uh, tell us all about how Danny's wrong, and I am totally right. I That would be a smart mm. thing to do. Um, and... <laughs> And of course, follow us on uh, on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, we do like to hear from from all of you guys, and uh, and that's so so important to keeping our site and our show um, for for everybody. So uh, you know, definitely sound off, and we will be back uh, soon with more talk with these new rays. So um, tune in next week. As always, I've been Darby for Danny and Dustin in the studio. This has been the Hit Show. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com. Check us out at DRaysBay on Twitter and, of course, DRaysBay on Facebook.